I'm going to call it, for lack of a better word right now, a Hansel and Gretel factor. Mm-hmm. Now, Hansel and Gretel were opposite sex, but it's like you only have each other, it, you know, the two of you against the mm-hmm. adverse conditions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a very strong bond there. And you've made a choice, at least in our society, that is certainly not one that is um, – regarded with open arms. There are people who are certainly accepting of it now and who are fine with it, but it's still considered non-traditional. And there are still many, many people who are downright against it. This week, Researchers from UC Riverside looked at couples from same-sex marriages and opposite gender relationships and looked at how strong their social connections were. Dr. Karen Sherman joins us to explore the findings. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the brilliant, the lovely, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You can find out more at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. And I will repeat this at the end of the podcast. Um, okay, Karen. So today we are going to talk about uh, same-sex uh, couples and how they may or may not interact better than heterosexual couples. So some researchers from UC Riverside, so that is in Southern California, recruited same-sex, uh, same-gender and different-gender couples throughout the Southern California region. Uh, the couples had to be in a married or married-like committed relationship, uh, which means that they have been living together for at least a year and have no physical or mental conditions that impeded their daily function. Among those who applied for the study, uh, the uh, makeup is 78 couples were found to have been eligible. 77 of those provided enough data to be used. So basically, we're looking at 77 couples here. Mm-hmm. 24 of the couples were woman-woman, 20 were man-man, and 33 were man-woman. Okay. The table has been set. So the, <laughs> the participants uh, were messaged and then asked in the uh, past 10 minutes from when they were messaged if they had contact with somebody, so a uh, family member, friend, or their partner. Then they were asked to rate the quality of the social interaction using a five-point scale, one being unpleasant, three neutral, five pleasant. So first, the researchers found that couples in man-man relationships had smaller social networks, 
than woman-woman or man-woman couples. On the other end of the results spectrum, women in relationships with men were most likely to have the largest social networks. Uh, A lot of questions here, but I'm just going to try to keep this simple. Do you think this just breaks down on the societal acceptance? And specifically, I'm talking about the man-man relationships here. Um, well, I think it's two things. I said, I think, yes, you're right. It has to do with the acceptance. Um, I also think in general, men have less social, um, uh, interactions. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got a couple made up of man, man, then, you know, it's double the amount of less social interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, to a large degree, it might also be, as you said, the the acceptance as well. Now, I have a question because I read this study and I didn't see an explanation for this. So did they message or email the both people in the relationship? So in other words, for the man-man, they checked in with each of the partners, the same for woman-woman and the same for the man-woman couples. Um, let me, hold on. I have it up in front of me. Let me see if this, uh, let me see if I can find it in like less than 10 seconds here. Um, participants, they received a text or email Mm -hmm. several times in the day following. Um, so the, it says participants plural. Uh, and I don't know if that means both parties within the relationship. So that's a good question. Yeah. I'm not sure off this quick read. Okay. Because my thought was if they only looked at the males in the male, female, would they be similar in their social uh, interactions to the male, male? Mm, That's a great question. Uh, so we don't know, you know, we don't, we really don't know. Um, it, it, it's hard to say. You know, it's an interesting kind of study, but um, I have a little difficulty with it because it's, you know, as I often point out, it's who decides. Th- these are not people who were randomly chosen, right. which is the proper way to do a study. These are people who volunteered to do the study. Uh, so, you know, is it telling about the people who are willing to, you know, be in the study? Um, so we'll continue with the questions cause I think they're interesting, yeah. but I don't know if I'm going to put a lot of stock in, uh, their findings. Yeah, no, that's, that's super fair. And, um, I, you know, I, obviously I know this because we've been doing this a very long time and I like the thing for me, the value that I feel like I get out of this and hopefully, I mean, this is my intention for the listeners is that mm-hmm. the conversation is interesting and it makes us at least think about some of these things yes. and explore, uh, the reasoning, whether or not the the actual results of the information that has been provided by this research is accurate or not. Yes, um, I we, agree with that. Yeah, we mm-hmm. at least think about the function. And I will also tell you that um, I have become obnoxious to some of my friends now because uh, they will send me, you know, self-reported polls and things. Mm-hmm. And then I will start picking them apart as to why <laughs> they're scientifically garbage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and then they try to fight me on it. And I'm just like, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways. Um, so I'm not saying I blame you for this, but, um, you know, no, just kidding. 
Uh, okay, so the researchers found that the quality of the interactions with families was reported to be the greatest by the same gender couples. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's because there has most likely been some type of open or honest conversation about the relationships because of the nature of it and the acceptance of it. And, you know, I say this pointing out the fact that, um, same sex couples couldn't even marry until very, very, very recently. Mm -hmm. So this was a conversation that needed to be had, um, you know, within, with, within family members. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's part of it. Um, again, we don't know that we're getting a true sampling of these different um, types of relationships. It's the people who have signed up to answer these questions. Um, so, you know, the people who are same sex and having close relationships with their parents may um, have a different attitude uh, than those who have not been accepted by mm-hmm. parents and are not close with their family. Right. That being said, it may also be that if you are the more traditional male-female couple, uh, there may also be children involved. And there, therefore, um, there may be a lot of other activities that don't allow you to be as involved with your extended family. Whereas the same-sex couples, um, you know, not that today um, we do have the opportunity for same-sex couples to adopt children or to have children via surrogacy. Um, So I'm not saying none of them have children, but um, there may be less of that. And so, you know, it's complicated because there are a number of different factors that could go into it. Your point that they have had to have open and honest conversations, I certainly think is one of the factors. Right. I mean, the fact that uh, we're recording this relatively recently after uh, coming out day um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that that is a thing (laughs) that you have to announce Mm -hmm. uh, the type of person you like or the gender of the person you like, whereas uh, heterosexual couples, there's no such thing as that. It's just a, an automatically assumed until otherwise stated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a thing. And to your point about the kids, another interesting aspect could be that um, kids can also drive a wedge between families and in-laws. So oh, sure. <laughs> while they might, um, you know, you talked about how they will gobble up some of your time so you don't have the time to communicate as much with extended family, they could also be the reason that you're not talking to your in-laws because oh, of sure. how cray-cray they might be with the kids and the grandkids, you know? So um, so that's another factor. And yes. I, 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 it would be interesting to see uh, the percentage of um, same sex couples who now have kids. Um, I, I mean, I know, uh, I know people with that would fall into that category, but it would be interesting to see, uh, just like how large that group is these days, because I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any good, um, number on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Data on that right now. That'd That'd be really good to know. Um, okay. So then, um, 
What's also interesting is that there was no difference for interaction quality with friends between same sex and the heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's because we get to pick our friends, but we don't really pick the family members? I think, I think, um, you know, I think as you're saying, you know, we, the friends that we have are the friends that we select. And so I would hope that the quality that you experience with them, uh, is good quality. And so that should run across the board, regardless of, uh, the choice that you make in your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, the, so this next one is, I think the most interesting thing, at least for me, um, the study found that same gendered relationships had better quality interactions mm-hmm. than they found in the different gendered relationships. Mm-hmm. So my first thought, and then I went on to read that the researchers had a very similar thought. Um, so my first thought was that, well, the same gendered partners likely are better able to empathize because they come with the same worldview mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. how society treats them uh, that mm-hmm. their partner does. Whereas, uh, opposite genders doesn't. And I, and I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, uh, my wife, Jess, Jessica, she has enlightened me to so many different things, uh, that, that she's had to think about in her daily life because of how different the world is for a woman than a man. But if mm-hmm. you are both women or both men, you would likely see the world from that same gender perspective, I'm guessing. Yes, I think that. And I think that there's, I'm going to call it for lack of better word right now, a Hansel and Gretel factor. Mm -hmm. Now, Hansel and Gretel were opposite sex, but it's like you only have each other, you know, the two of you against the Mm -hmm. adverse conditions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a very strong bond there. And you've made a choice at least in our society, that is certainly not one that is um, regarded with open arms. There are people who are certainly accepting of it now and who are fine with it, but it's still considered non-traditional. And there are still many, many people who are downright against it. So it's like, and I'm being dramatic now (laughs) to some extent, though not totally, it's the two of you against the world. You really have to be committed to each other to make this kind of a commitment. Whereas for opposite gender relationships, it's just sort of expected. You know, mm-hmm. you you date, you think you're in love, um, you know, you have same values. Well, you're going to get married. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily pose the challenges mm-hmm. that same gender couples have. Mm-hmm. I'll even take it a step further, which is, um, you know, you brought up kids earlier. Uh, so much communication needs to happen in a same gender relationship that isn't, and I'm sure there's like a million examples of this, but the one that immediately comes to mind is if you want to have kids, you have to have the conversation. Yeah. You don't get drunk one night and accidentally get the yeah. other person pregnant. Correct. And so this all plays into the fact that like you have to communicate, you have to have good communication if you're going to make it work. And Mm -hmm. that seems like the very obvious one. And um, I'm sure there's a hundred other examples like that, but it just seems like it's the nature of making a same gender relationship work uh, would require a higher level of communication. Mm -hmm. I agree. 
Um, okay, so uh, to the point that you, we kind of started this off with, which is um, we're not putting a lot of stock in the results, but the exercise is very interesting and the conversation is hopefully slightly stimulating. Um, what do you think couples can learn in general from this conversation? Well, if you and I are on the same page as far as why uh, same-gender couples uh, have, you know, uh, better interactions with each other, um, meaning, you know, the communication and working together uh, to, to meet challenges, then to me, that's the biggest takeaway, mm. that uh, different gender couples, traditional couples, have to learn to communicate better with each other. And, I mean, every couple that I've ever worked with walks in and says, you know, we have communication problems. <laughs> right. um, so if in fact couples learn not only the um, technicalities of active listening, you know, you talk, I listen, I rephrase, you know, that's a, that's a basic skill, but really understanding what the other person is saying to you and feeling safe enough to express yourself that you don't feel like you're going to be put down. And the trust that goes on between the two of you and the desire to understand the other person's needs. When that takes place, you have a very strong relationship. Um, and I think, you know, that when the, a, a regular traditional couple can learn to work with each other through adversity, that, um, you know, it's almost like that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, again, that, as I pointed out, I think is something that is a challenge for same-sex couples that opposite-sex couples don't have. So that's another thing that, that we can learn uh, learn from. So I do think um, that there are lessons here, uh, whether this study was a well-done study or not. Uh, I do think there there are pieces of information we can glean uh, that would be good for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I um, I usually have something to add, but I don't have anything to add. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was very well put. Um, did you want to say anything else before I? No, buy? I, okay. I have nothing to add either. <laughs> well, there you go. I think this was a clean episode. Um, all right. Well, if that's the case, um, hopefully you guys found this as in- interesting as well and learned hopefully a little bit something and we will wrap this one up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. And thank you. Um, before we go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this and more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can find all this information at our website, hitchedmag.com. And, um, I, you know, I never really mentioned this, but I feel like I should. Um, if you're on t- the Twitters, uh, you can follow us at Hitched Media. Um, we are also on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Hitched. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can give us a follow there. And until next time, that's going to do it for us. Take care, everybody.
into each other's eyes We know that it's showtime Clear our heads of all our worries and fears Now we know it's go time